there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. A doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, it's advanced medicine time, and I'll I'll, I'll hazard a guest, uh, uh, Doctor Batar, that you would wear a T-shirt that said on it "Outlaw Vaccines." Uh, I'm. I wouldn't have a problem with wearing a shirt like that. Yeah, our our friend Sally Elcordy, she's an activist in New York. She sent some T-shirts. We're talking about doing a giveaway on the air for those that are willing to wear it because not everybody would. And, of course, we've talked about the vaccine issue. We just had Brian Hooker on, who you know and have interacted with. And I think you've got him on some uh, upcoming uh, video interviews. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, there's uh, yeah, the documentary is supposed to be released here shortly. Yeah, I'm excited, anxious to see that as well. And, in, in, you know, in the modern day, if we can call it incarnation, but all the way going back to Jenner and the idea of, of cutting open, uh, of making a wound in the arm and stuffing pus and unknown materials into that arm and creating sepsis and infections where you lose your arm. I mean, it's got really horrible beginnings, and it hasn't improved all that much because we see the same or similar uh, manifestations of, of a vaccine injury, and that's the reason we're talking about this. But, of course, the relationship to cancer, and that's where I want to start with you today. You sent me something that I covered last week a little bit with Ty Bollinger, our buddy Ty, but what does he know? He's an accountant, right? Cell proliferation, cancer proliferation with chemo? Come on. we got to go to Dr. Batar on this one, don't we? Well, don't let Ty know I said this, but, yeah, Ty's, Ty's got a good extensive uh, knowledge base, uh, surprisingly, for an accountant, and uh, you know that as <laughs> yes. well as I do. But don't, don't, an accountant, don't tell right? We won't tell him that. Yeah. But but you're busted today because in the show notes, there's a picture of you at the luncheon last week at Ty's house. Him on one cheek, me on another. No, not butt <laughs> cheeks. The cheeks on your face. We're kissing him on the cheek. It's, it's very cute. Super Don put it up there so everybody can see it. <laughs> yeah, that was a good picture. Um, so yeah, we had the we had the regular one, and the, then we had the rated R one. <laughs> right? No, it, it's it's PG. It's like, hey, Batar is loved. He can't. We can't <laughs> deny him the love that he is. So um, we have to talk about this and follow up because yes, Ty has done a lot of extensive research and writing, and he's very intelligent. And I won't tell him you said that, but his no, ability, his mind, he, he, he's it's like a steel trap once it gets in there, and he can you know. You know, bring it back out to the world as he's done. But this, I, I really do want to get your perspective on it as well, because the article is talking about chemotherapy actually found to increase the number of tumor cells circulating in the blood. Then well, what we're talking about is chemo is, is promoting metastasis. Yeah, that's exactly right, Robert. So, you know, the bottom line is this. Uh, in 1999, I started stopped using insulin-potentiated low-dose chemotherapy. I still use an insulin-potentiated technique as a Trojan horse for other types of therapeutics, but I stopped using chemotherapy for one very simple reason. And that simple reason is the old adage, what doesn't kill you only serves to make you stronger. And that's what chemo does. It actually makes those cells, those tumor cells, it causes a morphological change and makes them, it accelerates their mutation mm-hmm. and their, um, their resilience, if you will. So... They're highly adapt- cancer cells are highly adaptogenic and highly mutagenic. And if you give them low-dose chemo or you give them any kind of chemo and it doesn't kill them, which usually it doesn't, 
then it mutates the cells and causes an adaptogenic response that morphologically causes them to mutate and become resistant to not only that chemo, but many other types of things as well. And so for that reason, I don't want to ever use something that is going to make mm-hmm. the cancer cells potentially more resilient. And what I focus in on is obviously, as you know, the immune system, so that allows the immune system to recognize the cancer being foreign, mm-hmm. and then allowing the three mechanisms of, um, that, that we want to go after uh, in, in the system to help the body take care of the cancer on its own, which is necrosis, autophagy, and apoptosis. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to restate what you said, because we were talking about low-dose um, chemo. They talk about insulin potentiated. And there are a lot of doctors that have gone integrated more holistic, and they've said, okay, it's, it's less toxic, which we would argue, no, 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 we wouldn't argue against. It is less toxic than high-dose chemo, okay? The, 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 the poison's in the dose to some degree, but at, even at low doses, we know it is adding toxic burden to the body and the cells. And you would hope that by delivering it through this insulin potentiation, because as you said so well over the years, cancer cells are obligate glucose metabolizers. They will glom onto it faster than your healthy cells. And in this way, you would theorize, and I think that's the theory behind it, is that we're going to deliver the, 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 the chemo more targeted. So we would be successful and less toxic to the rest of the cells. Is, is that kind of the premise behind it? Um, well, you're talking about the effects of chemo on the other cells, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that what you meant? Is that what you said? Well, the idea that if you utilize this uh, insulin potentiated chemo, right, that, that some doctors have now begun to integrate, and we would argue, yeah, we would agree that it's less toxic to the body in a general sense than high dose chemo. I don't think we, we would not argue that. But the the idea here is, if we deliver it more targeted, that they're they're feeling like they'll succeed with it. But you've just brought up a, a something a confounding scenario that at low doses. There may be adaptability much more likely to, uh, the cancer cell might much more likely to express, for instance, genetic shifts, mutagenic shifts, that even if you have temporarily a success, you might situate yourself for recurrence later. Well, that's exactly right. And I believe um, this is not something that I'm um, alone in thinking. In fact, at the Truth About Cancer Conference, I'm sorry, the... uh, uh, the be- the, uh, we were at the best, best answer for cancer, right? Yeah. Remember that? Best, that's right. Right. That best answer for cancer. Not this one that you and I were at recently, okay. but um, I spoke about uh, seven years ago there. Okay. Uh, maybe eight years ago, and I gave a presentation, and I actually had very – I was a keynote speaker, and I was surprised that they asked me to be a keynote because I don't believe in instant potentiated low-dose chemotherapy. That's what that whole organization promotes. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, and I said it from states, I'm surprised I was invited to this conference because I stopped using insulin potentiated low-dose well, chemotherapy in 1999, so it's been a long time, you know, almost 20 years, 19 years now. But the um, thing about what, Annie what, Brand, she's a, she's such a love, and I think she loves you, too. You know, she's, like, yeah. <laughs> invited you back again, right? So I think that, right, that right. having differences of perspectives and opinions, she's not opposed to presenting them to her credit. Yes, and, and the thing is that what was unusual at that particular conference, there were two other lecturers, one that's a mainstay of the organization and then another one that's well-respected in that organization, that said the same exact thing that I did, that they actually have seen evidence, and the newest literature at that time was showing that there was a, a an increase in resistance with, uh, with uh, chemotherapy as far as circulating tumor cells were concerned. And there was some literature that was presented that actually supported 
that observation. And so I was surprised that there were other people that actually agreed with me. I actually had both these doctors that came up to me afterwards and gave me a hug because they were so moved by what I'd said. Mm-hmm. Because I talked a lot about the emotional aspect, but I also talked about this, you know, the, the chemo aspect and how what doesn't kill you starts to only make you stronger. And that's what happens to cancer. So it was it was very it was very well um, received by the audience, which was one part. But the other part that's very interesting, and we have to start recognizing how these changes are taking place in the in the uh, cognitive shift of the the medical community that they started to see the logic that you don't want to, if you're going to use something, use it all the way. But the problem is, of course, you use it all the way, then with chemotherapy, you cause catastrophic uh, damage, uh, Mm -hmm. ancillary damage. So then the low dose, obviously, is thought, the thought is you're targeting it, et cetera, et cetera. But again, you can target it as much as you want. Me being a purist can't use something like chemotherapy because whether you use a low dose, high dose, medium dose, whatever whatever you're using, Mm -hmm. it physiologically defies common sense. You don't take a poison and poison a system that is already poisoned by something that's causing the immune system to decrease or emotional issues, whatever, whatever toxicity, malnourishment. Sure. So Einstein's um, quote was that you cannot fix a problem. Uh, insanity is defined as trying to fix something with the same mindset that created it. Correct, yes. And, so, and just to add to your concept, because you, you described like curing like, but when it's apl- applied allopathically, it's it's downright dangerous and, and potentially deadly. If you do apply it homeopathy, homeopathically and you utilize that, those concepts as well, now you're on to something. In a truly non-toxic way, you're alerting the system, you're targeting activity of your body's own immune cells and metabolism, which is, again, it's different than low-dose, uh, as I say, insulin potentiation type chemo. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, you can apply this to other therapeutics for other pathologies as well, but you could theoretically apply the same principle to radiation because radiation now causes a lot of ancillary damage. It causes a lot of mutation and a lot of DNA addicts to form. Um, there's, there's a lot of problems that radiation causes too. So, again, this whole mindset that you can you can solve a problem with the – you cannot solve a problem with the same mindset that created it, and that's the whole mm-hmm. – issue when you're dealing with cancer because nobody's addressing the actual issue that caused the cancer in the first place because people, uh, contrary to what they want to uh, believe, I mean, if, if you think about it, it's not mm-hmm. like we were born with a deficiency of chemotherapeutic agents within our system. Correct. Right? That's not why we got yeah. cancer. So Absolutely. We, have to, uh, we have to address those issues, and those issues obviously want a huge one, emotional, psychological, the fifth toxicity, as we know. And of course, there's all, all the seven toxicities will all lead to increase in oxidative stress, which then causes the DNA addicts to form, mutations to occur, and then you end up having a uh, malnourishment issue and or a toxicity issue on top of that. And again, the toxicity issue, we're talking about the seven toxicity. So once you have a toxicity, and it's usually multiple, it's multifaceted, it's not just one, it's usually a, a, a gamut. So when you've got that toxicity on board, and then on top of that you've got a malnourishment issue, you've got a dichotomy occurring where you've got the resilience of the body or the tendency of the body to be able to support itself on one side getting worse so it's not sustainable and on the other side you've got an accumulation of these toxins mm-hmm. and they're usually um, not a linear issue it's, a, it's an exponential issue so one plus one doesn't equal two it equals 11 and it yeah. goes on so you have two toxicities three toxicities and that spread from uh, toxicity and oxidative stress on one side and decrease in resilience on the other side is what leads to cancer and 
thinking that a chemotherapeutic agent or a radiation um, type of a therapy or a surgical intervention is going to eliminate that divergence between nourishment or lack of nourishment and toxicity right. versus the resilience of the body. That's just an absurd thought process. Now I remember why we kissed you on the cheek. You are committed to the law of the terrain, my friend. There's no germ theory confusion coming from Dr. Rashid Batar. That's why it is Advanced Medicine here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Check it out. We've got links to advancedmedicine.com as well. Uh, all those archives still also available at medicalrewind.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, UK Health Radio, and SoundCloud, and, of course, now on YouTube. Did I say that? The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, each and every week here on GCN, we have Dr. Rashid Batar available to go advanced medicine all over. And it's all over the world. Fans all over the world, we appreciate you listening live or later, tape delayed on UK Health Radio, of course, through all the uh, various uh, podcast sites, as well as at Medical Rewind, advancedmedicine.com, going to be integrating that. And now, of course, when we're going live on YouTube, we're grateful for all of you. And uh, I think we have a call today. We don't take a lot of calls, but Super Don says this one's okay. And I, uh, I trust his judgment there. Uh, another cancer-related call. Since we're on the topic of cancer, let's bring him to air. Hank's calling in from Tennessee. Hank, you're on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine with Dr. Rashid Batar. Go ahead, Hank. Are you there, Hank? Let me try it again. I think I could hear Hank now. I can hear him breathing. Is he there? No? Ben, any, any luck? I'm going to put him on hold. I'd like to take this call because it is on topic for once. Anyway, Su- uh, Super Don, we'll get to that. Uh, let's get to Dr. Batar here real quick on the uh, expanding on the uh, low-dose insulin-potentiated therapy. There's another study here revealing that breast cancer can return years after they give the all-clear, right? And th- this is the argument to say, hey, let's keep you on chemotherapy longer rather than, hey, what have we done wrong here if we didn't really kill it the first time? Yeah, so the um, the entire premise, of using low-dose chemotherapy is to reduce collateral damage. That's what really the thought process is. And then the insulin potentiation aspect is actually because they're trying to target it. So just for those that don't understand how insulin potentiates and targets the therapy, cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer. So cancer uh, loves sugar. And there's only five things that theoretically go into cancer cells or can easily uh, traverse the membrane of the cancer cell. And that's rubidium, cesium, water, glucose, and vitamin C. So with sugar, if you can give the body sugar, which we know that cancer loves sugar, cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer, which means that it needs sugar in order to survive. So you give the cancer some sugar, and then you give it a little bit of insulin to drive that sugar inside the cancer cell, and then you put some other therapy that could be beneficial um, for the system, and that would be detrimental to the cancer, and track it down with that sugar molecule, then that sugar molecule will take that material that would be detrimental to the cancer cell and get inside the cancer cell. So that's one reason, for example, when we use vitamin C, we always put it with dextrose because cancer loves, it likes vitamin C anyway because of the uh, receptor sites that it actually vitamin C can enter cancer cells. So we put a little bit of, with a little bit of sugar, it just sucks it right up. And then that causes a, a redox reaction intracellularly and causes the cancer cell to basically disrupt. 
It also changed the uh, voltage criteria, and there's a whole bunch of other things that happened. So I won't get into all mm-hmm. those details, but that's basically the premise behind the insulin potentiated low dose chemotherapy. The problem is, again, as we talked about in the first uh, part of the show, is that it actually seems to promote resistance and mm-hmm. resilience of the cancer. It, it helps the cancer cell to adapt and makes it actually stronger. So it does kill certain things, but those that it doesn't kill, it helps to accelerate. Right, stronger, to your point. And, and why right. wouldn't we expect this? Don't we have enough uh, history of decades of antibiotic, antimicrobial drug use and the resistance that is built via expression of new DNA, for instance, for, for microorganisms that are exposed to these uh, chemotherapeutic agents? And I said, you know, I've said this many times, antibiotics are also a form of chemotherapy. Right, well, when, when you look at the word chemotherapy, it's a therapy that's made up of a chemical. So all pharmaceuticals yeah. are a form of chemotherapy. Um, that's just a general breakdown of the word. But when you're looking at chemotherapeutic agents for cancer, the difference is that those things will cause harm to any human being. You take a normal individual with an intact immune system, you give them chemotherapy, you will cause them to get sick. This is not anything that is far-fetched for people. You know, if people don't understand this, then look at the process when chemotherapeutic agents are being produced. Everybody that is using those uh, substances or coming in contact with those substances are using hazmat suits. They have to use hazmat suits because otherwise it's too toxic for them. Mm -hmm. So, again, you can't create the solution with the same mindset that created the problem in the first place. And if you do think you can do that, that's the definition of insanity. And I believe that when we start to look at things like cancer, we have to look at what is the etiology of cancer. People say, oh, we don't know what's causing cancer. Of course we know what's causing cancer. In fact, all you have to do is look at the 2010 presidential uh, cancer report that under Barack Obama's administration, you know, there's... You and I, Robert, think the same way, but, you know, Obama did do one good thing, and that's when that came out. It said in the 243-page report that it was an environmental issue. Cancer was an environmental issue. Right, exactly. And we are intellectually uh, honest enough that even if we disagree with somebody on a lot of things, if they're right on that thing, we'll point that out. And, yeah, that president's report was accurate, talking about the environmental causes of cancer. In combination, you want to learn more about it, read The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away by Dr. Rashi Bittar. We're going to be back with more powerful healing and a question as well. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Each and every week we go... Advanced medicine. I'm holding up Dr. Rashid Bittar's uh, international best-selling book, still awesome, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Still available. Go get it. It's uh, been translated into loads of languages. No, not Pig Latin, Super Don, but all the other ones, the real ones. Uh, it's an awesome book. And uh, Dr. Bittar, again, people are still reading it and, and rereading it and getting new things out of it all of the time. Well, that's uh, a great compliment and I'm humbled by that, and I, I'm glad that people are enjoying the book. Excellent, excellent. Well, we're going to go into the environmental triggers for cancer, but Hank, try, he, he's called back, so um, Superdon says he's on the air and ready. Hank from Tennessee, you are on the air with Dr. Rashid Bittar here, Advanced Medicine. Go ahead. Hey, Nabbit, I tried calling him before, and the phone didn't work. I hate. That's why I hate. I hate talking on a phone. 
Well, as far as calling into a radio show, that's typically how you do it, Hank. Um, do, do you have a question <laughs> or a comment for Dr. Bittar? Are you trying to insult my intelligence? It, it, in, no, intelligence, not intelligence. Well, I can. I got a joke for you before we get going here today. So, <laughs> okay. And since I am Hillbilly Hank and I am a redneck, <laughs> I can say this on the air because I is one you of You guys them. can't tell Ty when Ty's on the call. I mean, come on, seriously. No, that can't be. No, well, I want to hear the joke first. What is that? It sounds, sounds similar. Just put a, put a lid on it, Butar. <laughs> um, why can you not solve a redneck murder? Why is it impossible to solve a redneck murder? Hillbilly Hank, tell us. Because they all have the same DNA, and there ain't no dental records. Oh. oh. <laughs> now, we're, now we've oh, been pulled God. off the air in all of our southern states, including Tennessee, where Hillbilly Hank is calling from. All right, Hillbilly Hank, put put uh, that other guy on the line. That you, you you let it, we want to talk to him. Is Ty well, available? The funny thing is, the funny thing is, now I'm talking regular, and it probably doesn't sound any different. <laughs> I guess the joke's on me. Did did you see that? Did you see the picture of us kissing Batar on the cheek? Is that why you're calling in? You're upset about that. I can tell. You know, I didn't see the picture. Uh, Don skyped me, and he told me that that Batar said something nice about me on the air. So I was like, "This is a first. I'm going to call in and just tell him thank you." No, no, that wasn't me, man. That was my alter ego. That was not me. I I mean, I had a momentary lapse of lucidity. I kind of fell and hit my head and. I wasn't quite oriented right, so please don't hold that against me. It, it, I won't. It's, <laughs> it's Ty hey, Bollinger, party crashing on advanced medicine. Ty, just to, just to let you know, uh, I, I was kind of dissing on you. Just kind of, I thought I'd take one for for a guitar, and I, and I said something like, you know, what does Ty know about cancer? He's just an accountant. And then then Batar begins to compliment you. He says, "Don't tell Ty." No, 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 no. That's not true. I did not compliment. <laughs> I think you're right. He's a he's a dumbass. Is what <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Well, that could be a compliment, in sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Ty. You have the floor. No, I just just wanted to call and say hey to you guys. I'm a, I don't have a lot of time to to spend on the phone. I'm about to go get in the, in the sauna, so I got to sweat a little bit tonight and detoxify. Nice. So, oh yeah. Uh, just just wanted to call and say hey to you guys. I hope the show's going well. And Butar, even though you don't admit it, this is on on the air, and you did say something nice about me. Oh apparently. man. I'm going to go back and listen to the archives. <laughs> Busted. You know, Ty, I'm just really thrilled, actually, that you took the time to call in because it, it lets me know that you are taking a bit of a breather because uh, as, as bad as Dr. Batar has been over the years by just showing up and barely making it, you, you know, you've had, you've had a track record that might be worse than his, his in the last months with all the work you've been doing off the air. You know, I've, I've been pretty busy, but um, I don't know, man. I've, I've seen the schedule that Batar keeps, and... Even at my busiest, I think that's kind of just normal for him. So I don't, I don't know how he keeps up. Yeah, well, he is keeping up. People, He's bringing it. I got people like you and your amazing wife and Robert and his family and other people out there that pray for me and keep me going right, man. And without you yeah. guys, honestly, it's an it's uh, it, it it keeps it it keeps that engine revving because I know um, who all relies on me and who all are behind me and i'd really appreciate that to all of you guys from ben on the board and don you and obviously robert you and ty you and all your families and all the people out there that listen to us and all the patients all over the world i'm, I'm truly blessed all right well yeah you are and we are all together on this we've got a, a alignment and purpose and mission and and of course a lot of silliness too and and hillbilly hank uh, calling in made made my day too <laughs> well i dr Butar, appreciate the kind words 
back at you, and um, I'll never admit it in public that I said anything nice about you, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I got a picture of you kissing me. That's right. <laughs> you are so busted, buddy. Ty, you can't live that one down. Before I go, Robert, are you saying that you posted that picture I sent over? Uh, is it the one you sent? I think so. Yeah, look, check out the show notes. I Super Don't put it up. of me and you kissing Dubutar on the cheek in our kitchen. Oh, okay. That's I'm the on one. Robert's yeah. bell right now. I do see it. Yes, there it is. That's a funny picture. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to write a new, new song. I saw Daddy kissing Rashid Buttar. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, guys, love you both. Y'all continue uh, spreading the truth and waking up the people and letting people know the power to heal is theirs, even though yes. there's still 20 minutes left in the show. <laughs> Amen, <laughs> Brother Ty. Thanks for calling. We love you. Thanks, Ty. I love you, too. Talk Hugs to, to the whole family. See ya. Yep. Oh, that was that was too funny. Oh, my gosh. And now where are we going? Environmental triggers. I don't know. How do we transition back? Because, you know, if I don't do a good transition, Rashid, you, you call me out on it. Well, actually, I've been very appreciative that you guys have been kind of extending this out because I was still having a recovery issue from the last set that I did in between when you know, when Don was, like, making fun of me. So I uh, I just finally got my breath back. But anyway, um, the triggers. Yes. So let's talk about the triggers. So the triggers, yes. when we're talking about the environmental triggers, we're not just talking about the extrinsic factors like the outside environmental triggers. We're also talking about the internal environmental triggers. Because remember, your internal health and your external environment they're all your environment the internal part we're talking about that's the internal environment now you've got the external environment outside of the body so all Mm -hmm. things what we're eating and drinking and breathing to what we're holding in from our emotions what we're you know the the chemicals that are within our systems um the the things that we've inhaled that are now inside our system so you're talking about external things that come into our body become internal things and these are all triggers, environmental triggers. So when we say environmental triggers, don't just think about the extrinsic, think about the intrinsic also. Mm-hmm. And we talk about what corrupts the intrinsic. Uh, it is the external environment making its way into the internal environment. And as you've written about nine steps and, and all we talk about here, the different toxicities, not just being physical or physiological toxins, but the emotional or energetic components of our lives. And now there's even more information coming about uh, cell phone EM field disruption impacting on the material world, so to speak. So energy becomes matter or impacts matter, vice versa. And so it's a little bit of everything. And we don't want that to mean, man, there's nothing you can do. We've said it this way, and I'll say it again. You have the obligation, I believe, to, to take control over that which you have genuine control over. Everything else you've got to turn over to a higher power, to God, to Creator, whatever, however you perceive it. Because if you try to control things you have no control over, you'll drive yourself crazy or exhaust yourself into cancer. Yes, I think that's very true, Robert. And I think that those words are words that everyone should listen to. And that comes back to the serenity prayer, which is in my book. But the serenity prayer was actually something I believe originated with the Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> and it's very important to say that prayer out loud. So I'll just say it really quickly. God, please give me the ability to change the things that I can change. The a serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. And the wisdom to know the difference. Beautiful. And I think that it's a very important component um, having... Uh, experience something that creates a loop in my own head recently. I know many mm-hmm. people have these things that we have to get back to the, that basic. If we can change it, give me the ability to change it. If I can't change mm-hmm. it, give me the serenity to accept that I can't change it. And then the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Dr. Bittar, if we expand our discussion from cancer 
into uh, Parkinson's. There's a, an article here on Natural News that says the medical community isn't prepared for the looming pandemic of neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's. Can we differentiate, or should we even, the causes of cancer from the causes of neurodegeneration? Or as I've argued, that they can be the same thing, but they manifest differently in different body types, different strengths, different weaknesses. Absolutely, Robert. I believe that whether a person has heart disease, cancer, neurodegenerative disease, the reason that they have them is the same reason, but how they manifest that reason is based upon their biological individuality, the genetic uh, uniqueness, the genetic predisposition. And so when we look at genetics, you have the genotype and you have the phenotype. So it is the expression of the environmental figure or the phenotypic aspect that creates one person getting cancer versus another one getting heart disease versus another one getting neurodegenerative disease from the same exposure to the same substance, all based upon the biological individuality, the genetic uniqueness of that individual. And so I think it's important for us to all remember that we need to reduce oxidative stress universally, and we need to follow the principles of good health universally in order to prevent whatever we are predisposed to from occurring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and of course, in homeopathy, we've talked about the miasm, the concept of inherited predispositions, uh, weaknesses. Again, this, these are the uniquenesses. And unfortunately, in a lot of allopathic science, they, they say because one thing doesn't cause the same thing in everybody all of the time that it can't possibly be the cause of it. When it's so far from the truth that it can manifest, as we say, differently in different body types that have different strengths, different weaknesses, different deficiencies, different challenges and the burden that we're challenged with, whether it be heavy metals or otherwise, you can have two people exposed to the same quantities of mercury and they're going to be manifesting it completely different from one another, yet mercury is still problematic. Yep, that's exactly right. And so this is, this is the reason we have to look at the universal principle. Because tendency of humans, especially in the medical profession, we take a label and we then treat that label. And we think that that label is only caused by X, Y, and Z. We mm-hmm. don't seem to realize that X, Y, and Z can cause heart disease, can cause diabetes, can cause cancer, can cause all these different things. So you have certain commonalities, and it's usually an accumulation of all these toxins. So you could have lead and mercury, and you'd have different persistent organic pollutants like chlorinated hydrocarbons and, um, you know, the toluenes, the benzenes, the insecticides, pesticides, and all these things that are causing an additional um, exponentially increasing additive burden on the system. And then at a certain point, it's just what was the proverbial um, straw that broke the camel's back type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, one of those exactly. types of issues. Exactly. So, and, we would acknowledge... Toxins, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Batar. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say the accumulation of toxins is one thing, and then the other, on the other side, you've got uh, a chronic debilitating malnourishment issue going on because our, mm-hmm. our nourishment are, is not... Our foods that we're eating are not sustainable. They're not produced in a sustainable manner. They don't sustain us as individuals and so you've got both these things now adding on feeding each other feeding fuel to the fire that causes well and it's interesting there should be a study uh, about what's happening in venezuela under socialism where i think the average venezuelan has lost over 15 pounds but i don't know that they're necessarily eating toxic food they don't have the money for pesticides which could be their benefit but they don't have food so that's a different kind of caloric restriction that's happening out there. I just bring that up in a general sense as we observe the environment in each area. We'll be right back. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show.
Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Reminding you, advancedmedicine.com available in addition to robertscottbell.com. Links are in the show notes. And if you want to take it up a notch and become part of that uh, association, taking you out of the public health arena so you can learn even more, uh, the invitation code for all Robert Scott Bell Show Advanced Medicine listeners is the numbers, are the numbers, 1358-1358 when you get there. Dr. Vitar, is there anything that they need to know about that? We, we bring it up from time to time, just like to remind our new listeners. Well, we have... Um we don't have the association component set up yet, but I believe it's there. You just can't pay and join, but I believe that's supposed to go live before Christmas. Okay. And then all the all the things that people have been told that would, they would have, the, um, the, the hypnosis programs, the sub, subliminal hypnosis programs that you can listen to at night, and the bands and all that stuff, that will all be available. So good things come to those who are patient. I should say, because it takes time to put all this together. It's pretty phenomenal what's happening. Now, uh, we talk about the emotional component to health and healing. You've written about it extensively. You've, heck, you lectured one of the most emotional presentations we've ever seen uh, in the history of the Truth About Cancer and Dr. Batar at that event. If you get to watch it, it is available as well. I think, did you actually publish your video too? Uh, yes, actually, it's on advancedmedicine.com. So when you go there and you uh, type in the invitation code 1358, Robert, as soon as people go that they, they create their own account, it's free. And on the dashboard on the upper right hand corner, you'll see that presentation. So, whenever we do a new presentation, it'll be the most recent ones up there. And that one's up there, they'll all be in the archives later on. But right now, that's the uh, presentation that people can watch. Beautiful. So, the issue of loneliness has come up in an article that Super Don found, and they're now linking it to poor health, which is not. I guess that's not big, a big leap. You know, people are lonely, but they're also talking about genetic changes, neurological changes, and inflammatory conditions linked to loneliness, interestingly enough. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. When we're dealing with cancer, for example, one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of times um, the most prevalent emotion is loss of autonomy, and the second one is loneliness. And then there's, of course, uh, Flew of other emotions there. There's a lot of fear. There's resentment. There's an issue with uh, having not forgiven people, um, those types of things. But first one is lack of control. They don't have their autonomy anymore. And the second one is loneliness. Even though they may be, uh, even though they may not be physically alone, it's a loneliness because their significant others either drifted away or, or they're physically lonely because there's nobody else. And it's a very sad place to be. I think mm-hmm. that this study... It's a surprising study because I'm surprised that the conventional thought process was uh, in tune enough to actually conduct a study like this, but I agree with it. Yeah, and I, I was thinking in the holiday season that you often hear about the, the holiday blues if people aren't surrounded by their loved ones or you know if they've been ostracized. My goodness, we've had a lot of folks on that we've covered, I mean, that, that have done good work, but they've been shunned by their peers. So they got to figure it out. And so I would encourage you, uh, listen to the show here and and dig in what Dr. Batar does with advanced medicine to find somebody who's lonely this holiday season, reach out to them, show them the love, right? Kiss them on the cheek as long as it's not, you know, well, listen, I, you don't run up to somebody and kiss them on the cheek, not in today's situation environment. <laughs> but, you know, the sentiment, if you will, to reach out and, and, and kind of show people some of that emotional support. Yeah, making connections with people, making people feel special. I mean, you don't have to go up and necessarily kiss them on the cheek like Robert suggested because you make a sock in the face. But, <laughs> um, but the thing is that, 
it, the point is well taken. Connecting with people, it's about connections, it's about relationships, and it's about um, being there for others and having others be there for you. And that's really what we're talking about loneliness. It doesn't have to be a romantic sense of loneliness. It, it, mm-hmm. It's um, it's just the the fact of it's one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, to to among a need to perpetuate the species and a need for shelter and need for food. It's also a need to associate. It's a need to um, be in a um, community. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it's an important part. And if you can make a difference in somebody's life by sharing that, as, as you just said, Robert, I think it's yeah. a very important thing. It also increases your own energy. It also increases your own resonance and m- empowers you because you just made a difference in somebody's life. If you pay it yeah. forward to somebody it's going to come back in spades to you. Just remember that. We are witnessing and experiencing that, Dr. Batar, like with our friend Ty Bollinger and the truth about cancer and all the people that we've connected with. It's really uh, you know, made bridges into a whole new tribe. You, know, you think your tribe is your family. No, it's so much more than that. You know, the human family, the family of souls created by you know, God. And, you know, we can make those connections, and we have, and it's been very uplifting. And it is uplifting, Dr. Batar. It, it most definitely is, and it's, uh, it's a testament to how we are all universally connected and come from the same source. So next week, folks, we're going to take off uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas, and we'll be back with Advanced Medicine Tuesday with Dr. Batar uh, for the holidays. So uh, I want to wish you the greatest of whatever you're celebrating out there. But, man, be that love and be that love for someone who needs it. Uh, They might need it more than you, and you don't know it. But in the meantime, the power to heal and love is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 